Good morning, church. So, um, as I was sitting back there, I thought of a new sermon series, Uncaged. What do you guys think? I like it. I like it. Hey, don't, don't be surprised if it comes, right? Uh, that was fun to do it that way. Uh, thank you so much for letting me be part of that, Pastor Terrence. That was good. All right, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a window, a bit of a, of a peek inside my crazy creative mind, a little warped even. So just so you know that, okay, I'm giving you, giving you this advanced warning on this, okay? I believe, I believe that reading in between the lines in the Bible are ju- is just as important as reading what the Bible words say. Does that make sense? In other words, I believe that there are things that we can so easily kind of mistake for just being the normal kind of a story. We're going to read a story that for some of you is very, very, very famous, very popular. You're used to this story, but you would never see it within the context of being contagious for Jesus Christ, okay? So I'm going to hopefully help you to see it from that perspective. And if you don't, just blame me for being a little warped. And everything's okay with that. I'm okay with it. I'm good with that. Is that fair? Let me give you a little background on the story. So God calls this guy named Abram to, to journey. He says, I want you to get up and go to a land that I am promising you. You are going to be the father of many nations. And Abram says, okay, sounds good. I'm going to do that. So Abram and, and the way, I love the way Paul puts it. He says he was going not knowing because he had no idea where he was going. So he starts to go. And as he goes and he's got his family with him, uh, things happen. And the next thing you know, uh, God makes, us, makes him this promise again. Uh, at, at a very old, old, very old age, almost twice my age, Abraham finally has the son of his, he and Sarah finally have this son, and they call him Isaac. And as the story goes, and just for the sake of time, as the story goes, this is the first real follower of God in the perspective from, you know, of course you had Abel, and you had Adam and Eve, and you had uh, Noah and, and his sons. Sure, you have all of that, and you've you got Enoch. And the, but I'm talking about, like, God is actually calling him. This is Abraham. He calls him Abraham, changes his name and says, okay, I want you to follow me. So the first real follower, if you know what I mean. In other words, God is leading and Abraham is just going. He knows what he's doing. He's there now and he has this son named Isaac and he has this uh, wife named Sarah. And as time goes by, Sarah dies. And we are told that Isaac really misses mom. He's approximately about 40 years old. Abraham now is really advanced in years, and uh, Isaac has no son. And Abraham is thinking about the promise that God gave him, and he's thinking about how do I, how do I perpetuate God's people? How do I perpetuate, if you would enter into my warped mind, God's church? 
And so comes this servant into the story. Now, this servant, his name, uh, we believe his name is Eliezer, although the chapter that I'm going to read you from doesn't mention his name, which I think is kind of interesting. But we do hear about him in chapter 15. And in chapter 15, this is an important little point here. It says that when Abraham prays to God for, this, for, 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 for children, he says, look, if you don't give me children, everything I have, everything I've built, everything I've worked for is going to be passed on to my servant, Eliezer. So if I'm Eliezer, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to be wealthy one day. I won't be a servant one day. I'm going to be the man, right? But he's not that way at all. He's very, very faithful. And, God, and, and Abraham still trusts Eliezer, even though he knows that he, 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 he would have been the heir. But now, but now all of a sudden you have Isaac. And so Abraham says to Eliezer, look, I need you to do something for me. And we pick up the story in chapter 24 of Genesis. Beginning with verse 1, it says, Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord has, had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant, and that's why we believe it's Eliezer, in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, he says, put your hand under my thigh. So this is the way they did uh, kind of uh, commitments, covenants. In those days, in those people, we don't do that anymore. You know, I would never say, okay, Pastor Terrence, I need you to preach for me. Put your hand under my thigh. Uh, you know, I, it doesn't work that way, right? But, but, but this is what they did back then, right? <laughs> uh, and so just want to make sure you understand that. He says, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear. Now catch this. Don't miss this. This is important. A little thing that, again, we could easily just not think about. He says, I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of earth. What does that say? Well, that says that he knows that Eliezer now is a what? A believer. Are you following what I'm saying here, right? Because otherwise I'd be like, yeah, well, okay, sure, why not? Sure, I'll swear by Buddha. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like I, I, I don't care, you know, because I don't believe in that, right? No, no, this is obviously somebody that Eliezer believes in. And so he says, look, I want you to swear by the God of heaven, the one that you've learned to believe through me. I want you to swear by him that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. I want you to go where I came from. I need you to get a wife for him there. And Eliezer is thinking about this. And the servant, chapter 5, verse, uh, sorry, verse 5 says, the servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back? Have you ever played the what if game with God? You know what I'm talking about, right? We all play the what if game. What if what if if I share about God, they get offended? What if, uh, what if they ask questions I can't answer? What if uh, they laugh at me? What if 
I get nervous and I say something that actually would misrepresent God. What if the perfect moment never really comes? What if what I come across as being, what if I would come across as, as being narrow-minded and, and closed-minded and, and, and they would think that I'm some kind of religious, you know, Jesus freak? Like I want people to think that I accept them just as they are and who they are. And I don't want to be labeled or, you know, what if all, we always played the what if game as if it was up to us. Because the reality is we're afraid of being rejected. Let's be honest. Can we be honest right now? Ultimately, all the what-ifs, I was like, well, what if I get rejected? What, what if, you know, what if that happens? What if, what if, what if? And so Eliezer is playing the what-if game here because his job is to get a wife for Isaac. I want you to think about this wife for Isaac as if I'm talking about you sharing the gospel with somebody. Are you, are you getting my warped mind now, right? It's not that warped. Let's be honest. Jesus calls the church the bride, Right? In fact, in Hosea, he says, I will allure her, right? And you will no longer call me my master. You'll call me my husband, right? So there's all this language that alludes to this. So stay with me, right? So he asks, what if? What if this happens? What if she's unwilling to? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Because you see, I think Isaac is irresistible. I think once the girls there see him, that's going to be no problem at all. Who am I? I'm just a servant. I mean, I'm going to go there. Can I just bring him back and listen to what Abraham says? Make sure that you do not take my son back there. No, no, no. Hold on. Whatever you do, stop right there. This is not an option. This is non-negotiable. You do not take my son there. Abraham said, the Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land and who spoke to me, and promised me an oath saying to your offsprings I will give this land. He, catch this, this is the answer to all what ifs. Every time you get a what if moment when you're trying to share Jesus with somebody, maybe you're at work or maybe you're at the grocery store or maybe something is happening and you say this is an opportunity. But I, I, what if? You get that moment. Listen carefully. I will give I will, he will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife from my son from there. Do you believe that? I believe that if we pray that God prepares the people that we're going to meet today, that we're going to talk to today, in our day, throughout our walk, maybe at the park this afternoon, that if we pray that prayer, I believe that God is going to actually send angels ahead of time to prepare their minds and their hearts for what you're going to say. Isn't that awesome? I mean, somebody ought to say amen for that one, really. Not just my pastors up front, because they're just being nice to me. Right? No, I'm kidding. No, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, isn't it cool to know that God's going to send angels ahead of time to prepare the hearts of these folks? I think that is amazing if you think about it. I mean, we... <laughs> We wish that it was much easier than that, don't we? There's still faith involved in that. Did God send the angels? I hope so, you know. What if he didn't, <laughs> right? So, wait, look, when I come home and I open the door, Lucy, my dog, she is just as happy as can be, man. She's like jumping and, and <laughs> just, you know, really happy. Our 
tail is wagging. I almost said her wag is tailing, but her tail, tail is wagging, you know, and, and she's just, and, but I, I know it's, it's part of it is to see me. That's cool. But, but very quickly, it's just like, okay, are you going to give me my bully stick now that you're home? That's, that's what she really wants, right? And so when she realizes that I don't have that, then, then she just gets all depressed and gets discouraged. Like, all right, thanks. Nice to see you. And goes, goes to sleep. She actually looks depressed. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody have dogs, you know what I'm talking about, right? They, they look like, ah, oh, man, you're not going to give me anything. We used to have a dog uh, across the street when we lived in Maryland. His name was Tank. And, and Lucy would wait out the window so that one of us would come home and take her to play with Tank. We called them boyfriend and girlfriend, you know. Luckily, they were both fixed. But anyway, that's a whole other story. So, so we would take, we would take uh, Lucy there, and Lucy and Tank would play. And sometimes they would play very rough. In fact, they would play so rough that you would think, man, these guys are fighting. But you would know that they were not. You know how you knew? Because the tail was wagging. Don't you wish humans had a tail? <laughs> Come on, guys. I want to ask her out. I'm going to approach her. If I see that tail wagon, I know it's going to work, right? He's happy to see me, right? And don't you wish I'm going, to, I'm going to share the gospel with this person. As I start talking, if I see that tail wagon, I know. I know I got it, right? But, you know, there is no tail. I think God did that on purpose. Because I think there's, a, there's an element of faith that is so important here. Are you following what I'm saying here? So... To get the tail, that's not going to happen, right? In fact, here's what I would tell you, man. We could play this game all we want. But I am so convinced that God sends his angels before that, in fact, I believe that, that God had already been working on this woman named Rebecca's heart. I believe Rebecca already was tired of the dull routine in her life. I believe she was unsatisfied looking for a true adventure in her life. I believe Rebecca was disenchanted, disenchanted with the false gods in her life and was wondering if there was ever really a true God. I believe Rebecca was already thinking about this. I believe Rebecca was already trying to figure out how do I live beyond this horizon that I have. What's out there? What's, what, what, is there something bigger than me out there? Is there a possibility for me to live for something bigger than me? I believe God was already working on Rebecca. And this is the reality of the people we meet. People, if you start praying this prayer, people already are being prepared by God. This, this is the most important part that I want to tell you today. If you pray that prayer, sometimes even if you don't, that's how good God is. But you, you take advantage of that opportunity. God has prepared those people for this forever encounter. Because you see, God loves everyone. Everyone we lock, we lock eyes with matters to God. You're going to drive out of here to go to the park 
to have some good food and fellowship. And on the way, you're going to see people on the street. You're going to see people engaged in all kinds of things. Every single person that you see matters to God. Do you believe that? Everyone matters to God. Eliezer mattered to God. Abraham mattered to God. Rebecca mattered to God. Isaac mattered to God. So, make sure you don't take her, take him back, Abraham said. The Lord will send the angel. And then he says, if the woman is unwilling to come back with you, and I think these are the words that Eliezer is hanging out to, like, okay, okay, yes, I need, I, need, I need a default. I need something to fall back on, okay? If the woman you will, is not willing to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath. Whew. That's good news. See, I believe God says to each, that, that to each one. I want you to know that it is not your responsibility to bring them across the threshold of eternity. Your job is to just do what God asks us to do. Share the word and let God do the rest. Share your life and let God do the rest. Stop feeling like you have to be super member. <laughs> You're not. Can I tell you that? I take, can I tell you, I'm not super pastor. You're not super member. Nobody is super anything. Here, all we are is servants wanting to do God's will for God to do his job through us to save somebody. But we, it's not our responsibility. We are released from the oath once we've done what we have to do. Does that make sense? You sure? All right. So, here we go. There's so much more that I want to tell you about this. But because of time, I'm just going to be going a little bit faster here. It says... Uh, um, only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master, Abraham, and swore an oath to him concerning the matter. And I'm going to give you eight things that happen that you can bank on if you want to be successful in reaching people for Jesus Christ, for being contagious for him, right? Number one, make that commitment. Make that, you don't have to put your hand on anybody's thighs. Don't worry about that. But make the commitment. Could you do that? Could you say, all right, God, I'm just going to go ahead and do what you asked me to do. And if it doesn't work, okay, fine, okay. And then number two, learn to recognize those deep water moments. Learn to recognize those moments. In other words, be ready for God to do whatever he wants to do through you. I love what Paul says in Colossians. He says, pray that God opens the door for us to share the gospel. Be wise towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Can you say that you've done that? Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always, be always, say it with me, be always Full of grace. Can you say that your conversations with people have always been full of grace? I can tell you that I can't. There's been times when I've had to say to myself, what was wrong with me there? Why did I get so upset about that? But 
Paul says, let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, I love this, number three. So number one is make the commitment. Number two, be ready for those deep moments, deep water moments. And here's number three. I love this. Are you ready? Now, this is so cool. Because if you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you would know something about this moment right here. It says, then he prayed. You know what's so cool about that? Do you know that this is the very first recorded prayer in the Bible? The very first recorded prayer in the Bible is from some servant named Eliezer. Isn't that cool? Hello. I mean, I think that is so awesome. That's how much of a believer is. He had learned to pray. That doesn't mean that people didn't pray before, but this is the first one that's recorded in the book of Genesis, right here, the very first book of the Bible. Then he prayed, O Lord God of my master Abraham, give me success today. Look at his prayer. I like this because it's bold. And show kindness to my master Abraham. Not to me. To my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring. And the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, now he starts throwing out his fleece. So I want to make sure that it's you, God. So this is what we're going to do, all right? I want to make this very specific. God, listen to me. Listen to me. I know you listen to everybody else. I just need you to hear this because this is like very specific, God, okay? I'm like looking for total specificity here. And he says, may it be that when I say to a girl, any girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink. And I'll also water your camels. Let her be the one you had chosen for your servant Isaac. That's how I'm going to know. See how clear that is? Not only is she going to give me drink, but she's going to make sure that my camels drink. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had finished praying. Are you catching this? Why? Because God was already preparing. Are you following this? Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. I love this. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was a wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. Back in those days, it wasn't as important, so don't go crazy on this one. The girl... Catch this, was very ugly. No. The girl was very beautiful. I got this little note next to mine. When God answers a prayer. This, this note. It's like, okay, yeah, well, I'll give you something, you know, but, you know, Satan's got all the pretty ones. No. The girl was very beautiful and a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. How cool is that? Right? So this was like the perfect, per now of course, at this moment, Eliezer doesn't know this, right? But he finds this out. 
You know, I've had people pray, man, I, I need a car, God. I need a car. Please, God, give me a car. And, and so now they're looking in, 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 you know, the place to buy a car. And they, they buy this car. And they're like, God, thank you for the car. And the car breaks down. And it's a jalopy. God didn't give you that car. You bought the car too fast. You were not looking for the car that was beautiful. And God was going to give you a good car that was going to last a long time. No. I've made that mistake. Have you ever made that mistake? God, I need this now. Now, God, please give it to me just the way, like, like, like this is what I need. And then you're like, that's the one, God. Thank you. Beautiful. Nice little fiat. Hey, two of them. I was that stupid. I bought two of those thinking that was definitely God's car because it was Italian. It had to be God's car, right? No. Now, fiat said come a long way. If you own a fiat, sorry, I don't, it's, it's probably not that bad now, but, you know. But I love this. God doesn't give us a jalopy, Right? When God answers a prayer, man, it's, it's, it's awesome. So she went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. Ah, to be young again. <laughs> she fills her jar. We're not talking about like this little, you know, all right, it's filled. Let me come. No, these are big things that they put on their heads, you know. So she's not only beautiful. Not only a virgin, but she's very strong. Here's number four. Don't miss this. Number one, sit out. Make the commitment. Go for it. Number two, trust that the angels are preparing the way. You're ready to go deep with this, right? Number three, pray. Number four, seize the moment. Here it is, man. The servant hurried. The servant what? Hurried to meet her and said, please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my Lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hand and gave him a drink. Catch that. Do you catch, catch the imagery here? After she had given him a drink, she said, is this the one? Right? Drum roll, please. She said, I'll draw water for your camel's Two, until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the throw, uh, whatever, however you say that, ran back to the well to draw more water and drew enough for all his camels. Isn't that cool? Have you noticed how many times God meets us at the well? You know, maybe we need to look for the wells in our lives. Because God wants us to go deep. And maybe part of the problem is, we've talked about this last week, is that we are just satisfied with shallowness. But God wants us to, to put the bucket deep, go deep. We keep talking about this well. Well. Here's the moment that really totally baffles me. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made the journey successful. Wait a minute. Time out. You just prayed that this would happen. It's exactly what you prayed for. What on earth are you thinking about? What is wrong with you, Eliezer? Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, come on, man. This is exactly what you said. It's happening. You're doing it. It's Look, she said exactly what you wanted. Why are you even considering this moment? 
What is it about us that even when Jesus hits us besides the head with a two-by-four, we're sitting there going, oh, gee, I wonder if that really was. What, what is it about us? Do you know what I'm talking about? Or is it just me? Maybe it's just me. Maybe because I'm Italian, I'm a little hard-headed. I don't know. But I'm telling you right now, it's a problem that, that I see over and over and over again. Now, maybe I missed something. I don't know. And then it says, uh, when the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring. <laughs> it's a tough one for Adventists to read, just, but just listen carefully. took out a gold nose ring, a nose ring, weighing a becca. I don't know if that's some kind of English thing that Jesus knew was going to happen with Rebecca. I don't know. And two gold bracelets weighing 10 shekels. And then he asked, whose daughter are you? So he's got this stuff in his hand. And here's number five. Number five is share the treasure. Right? Share the tr- Do you know that I don't care how poor you are, you have treasure in here that is just unbelievable. Do you believe, do you, when's the last time that you opened your Bible and you read it, read it as if you were searching for treasure, as if you were looking for hidden gold or silver? Because the, the Bible tells us that if we look for wisdom as if we were searching for treasure, as if we were really, really cared about it, that we would know wisdom. That if we would approach it like, like this is important stuff in here, we would find things in here that you have never found before. And you would get as warped as me. <laughs> I like to treasure hunt. And I believe there's some treasures in here that we're missing sometimes because we're only reading the lines. But I'm telling you, we've got to read between the lines here. So share the treasure. And listen to what it says. Then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? He's a little forward here. When he says us, he's talking about himself, his his crew, his camels, right? This is not like, you know, you have a room, an extra room, right? How many of you would open up the door to somebody who had ten camels, you know, four or five other people traveling with them, you know. I mean, come on, right? I mean, I get upset if somebody says, look, can I come over and, and park my RV there? Like, wait, hold on. It's easy, man. RV. I don't know if we have room for an RV, you know. Certainly not a stranger anyway. So that's number six. Number six is. Don't be afraid to accept God's hospitality. See, because trust begets trust. Remember the well? Ask for some water, you can give some water. Ask for a place to sleep, you may be able to give a place to sleep for eternity. (laughs) So you're not really sleeping, right? By the way, I found this out. This is so cool. Bedouin women today in that part of the country to this day uh, wear these nose rings. It is still customary for you if you were to uh, ask one of these women to marry to give them a nose ring. That's how they, that's instead of a ring ring, they give a nose ring. 
So, guys, if you ever meet a Bedouin woman, just want you to know, don't go for the finger ring. Go for the nose ring, all right, because that's what they understand, right? So already the, they understood. The language was there. They began to understand what was going on here. And it says, uh, and she says, we have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. And then it says, then the man bowed down. Catch this, number seven. Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord. Isn't that cool? Saying, praise be to the Lord, the God of my master, Abraham, who has not abandoned his his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. And here's number seven. Don't forget to recognize divine guidance. See, you got to get to a point where you realize this is not me. I can't tell you how many times I've been in these moments when I'm engaged, I, I've gotten the courage enough to engage in one of these discussions. And as I'm engaged in this discussion, all of a sudden I could see the spirit moving on this person. And it's such a high, let me tell you, because all of a sudden you begin, you see things you never thought you would see. All of a sudden you, you hear things, you, things are coming out of your mouth you never thought would come out of your mouth. You're like, where did I get that from? Have you ever had this experience? You're like, what, what's going on here? And, and it's so easy to say, man, I am good. But let me tell you, the best thing you can do is say, God, I just praise you, man, because you put words in my mouth. You put thoughts in my mouth. You reminded me of things I never even knew I knew. And you're doing a work in this person's life. I am just totally blown away, God. Thank you. Thank you for your kindness. Right? How are we doing out there? We're almost done. So the Bible says... um, So the man went to the house, and the camels were unloaded. Straw fodder were brought for the camels, and water for him and his men to wash their feet. Wow. (laughs) Then food was set before him, but he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have here to say. So now he's there. He's accepted the hospitality. He's ready to go. He says, look, before I even take a bite. Because you may want to kick me out. I don't know. But before I take a bite of this awesome Bedouin food here, let me just, just tell you why I'm here. See, I'm here to look for a wife for Isaac, who is the son of Abraham, whom you guys know as Abraham, who left the country some years ago. He's doing great, by the way. He's very wealthy. He starts talking about Abraham and how, how great he's doing, and I'm his servant, and blah, all this stuff is coming out. And they're sitting there going, wait, 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 hold. I thought you were just traveling through, right? But they recognize the gold. Now they're, they're sitting there going, I, I hope it's not you, Eliezer, you know. I think if I'm Rebecca, I'm thinking, oh, no, please. Please don't let this be the guy. God, please, please, nothing against you, Eliezer, you know, but, but I'm young and beautiful. But he quickly says, this is for Isaac. And then we're almost done here. Jump down to verse... 54. Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank, spent the night there. And when they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. And he's meaning with Rebecca. 
And they say, but her brother and her mother replied, let the girl remain with us 10 days or so. Then you may go. I think that's reasonable, don't you? Not to Eliezer. Eliezer is like strike while the iron is hot. Can I tell you something? I've made this mistake. I've had people come to me and say, I want to be baptized. And I said, oh, that is awesome. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. And then I do that. And then they, they offer a little bit of hesitation. And I'm like, and, and some of you guys are sitting there going, oh, that's me. Look, there's many of you. Just don't feel bad about this, okay? <laughs> some of you guys, you know, you offer a little hesitation. And I want to be sensitive to that, overly sensitive. I want to, like, that's, that's a good request. That's a simple request. And I don't strike or uh, the iron is hot. You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, I'm sitting there going, well, look, the next thing I know is months go by. Sometimes even years go by. And I regret the fact that I didn't do what Eliezer did right there, right here, right now. Because he says, but he said to them, do not detain me. Now that the Lord has granted success to my journey, send me on my way so I may go to my master. Come on now. Come on now. You said yes. We ate together. You washed my feet. You took care of my camels. You accepted my treasures. Come on now. And then he said, Let the, let's call the girl and ask her about it. This is the moment of truth, isn't it? Now, this is reasonable, I think. I think the girl needs to make her decision, don't you? So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with the man? I love this. I will go. I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way. Isn't that cool? I love that, man. So she goes, and this is like, this should be like a movie. You know what I mean? Like, this is so good, man. This is like, I don't know, Hallmark. I don't know, something, you know. It's a little cheesy, right? Because, you know, but it's a love story. It's, it's definitely a chick flick. Let's be honest. Come on, right? Now, Isaac, now it's, it, so, so a, a little later, verse 62. Uh, by the way, thank you. Brandon is doing a great job with the, with the text back there, isn't he, man? He's just jumping with me. Amen? Don't applaud because he'll get really embarrassed, but. Amen, man. I really appreciate it. Now, Isaac had come from Bir Laboy Roy, for he, whatever that was, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. And just at that time, Rebecca also looked up. Oh, you hear the angels? This is awesome. And so Isaac... And she got down from her camel and asked the servant, who is that man? Please tell me. Tell me it's him. Who is the man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master. The servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. I love this. I love this, man. Tell me that's Isaac. He looks like he should be Isaac. Tell me this is the promised guy. 
I want this guy. See, when a believer falls in love with Jesus Christ, it's like no longer what you said. It's like, tell me this is Jesus. Oh, yeah. Tell me Jesus can do it. Yes, he can. Tell, tell Jesus. Wow. Can you, really? Yes, that's Jesus. No way. I never thought. Well, how could I wait waited this long? Don't worry about it. God's timing is perfect. Isn't that awesome? I love this, man. I love this. And the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent, and you know the story. The rest, as they say, is history. And because of that, God's promise to Abraham was fulfilled. And let me tell you what that means. Because of what Eliezer did, and because of Rebekah's response, we are here today. Are you following what I'm saying? God's people multiplied and multiplied. And Paul says that if you are in Christ, you are Abraham's seed. Are you following what I'm saying here? So because we accepted Christ as our Savior, we are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Rebekah. And we're part of this love story. And God is calling us to be as faithful as Eliezer. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, except for the drummer. Come on up here. I want to tell you something. I, I, uh, I had a chance to, uh, I just, just better drink this because you keep falling, right? I, I had a chance to uh, speak uh, for a convention in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, I had like about a half a day to just kind of do whatever I wanted to. They had a trip going uh, to uh, the Alamo. You know, know what I'm talking about? So I went there, and uh, it was pretty amazing to be there, to, to see. First of all, it looked smaller than I thought. I thought it was bigger, but, but it's, it's, it's fairly small, but it's pretty intense. And right, above, uh, right about the entrance, the main entrance to the Alamo in San Antonio, Texas, there was a portrait. And I thought this was kind of interesting. And the portrait said the, the, it said the, had the following inscription. There was a picture of a face of a guy, and it had the following inscription. It said, James Butler Boneham. No picture of him exists. This portrait is of his nephew, Major James Bonham, deceased, who greatly resembled his uncle. It is placed here by the family that people can see the appearance of the man who died for freedom. Isn't that wild? If you're ever there, it's a little far from here, but if you're ever there, check this out. Right towards the main entrance there. And I remember reading this and thinking, wow. I hope people can see. Because there's, there's, there's no portrait of Jesus, is there? Wouldn't it be cool if God said, here's Sergio. There's no picture of Jesus, but he resembles him. Him who bought our freedom. Wouldn't that be awesome? See, I think Isaac resembled Jesus, especially because he was going to pray. 
I think Rebecca resembled Jesus. I think Eliezer resembled Jesus. I think when we resemble Jesus, and we pray, God sends angels ahead of us. And things happen. Please, please, I'm begging you, all of us. You know, I don't often say this, but I really do believe that time is short. I'll say it the way Paul says. We are nearer to the second coming than when we first believed. So let's live our lives without regret. And let's share this good news with as many as possible. Let's be contagious for him. Amen.